When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. Your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. We are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best college football stats in the industry. They have NFL and baseball uh, stats as well, and basketball stats on the way. For just $15 a year, you can get all of these great stats. It's all the stats that I use for all of my college football stuff you see me posting on Twitter. And if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you get 10% off of your one-year membership. We have, as always on every Friday podcast, Dennis joining us today. We're going to recap the Thursday night football game and preview all of the Week 9 fantasy matchups. We've got Mr. Dennis Bennett with us. Dennis, what's going on, man? It's been a couple weeks since we've talked. How's everything going? How's your, how's life going? And how's your fantasy life going? Going pretty good. Busy at work. Basket. What what was he playing? Uh, baseball season is over. Been over for a couple weeks now. It's just Cub Scouts until basketball starts with the the young kid. Uh, big ones getting good grades, so that's a cool thing. Oh yeah. yeah. And my fantasy teams are doing generally pretty good couple of them productive struggle i still have uh, one undefeated team and one team that's seven and one so there's always that i got going for me yeah what's uh in the uh, infinity gauntlet league you're undefeated right i know we're both I, in that league i am i think this might be the week i go down though oh yeah have you gotten an infinity stone yet see i can't remember how the rules work i can't remember when you get them or not I don't, I don't, I don't have one, I, and I don't know if I should have one. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I need to go back and reread the rules, but I almost feel like uh, we got to get to the end of the. I think I get one at the end of the regular season or something if I have the best record or gotcha. most points or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean you're doing pretty good in our our listener league as well. Currently in six at five and three, so I'm doing I'm at three and five. So you know I'm not doing a very good job representing the podcast, but you sure are. So. We'll just hope uh, you win it, I guess, because it doesn't look like I'm going to. Just trying to see um, what a man, Wilson, and these bad trade offers that he keeps sending me. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Anyways, I'm yeah. I'm glad he stopped sending them to me and moved on to you. Nah, he's been Not- sending them to me all year, but uh, I have kind of, uh, most of the time, just ignored him. 
I just uh, I just picked up a, a share of DJ in uh, the back row invitational I saw that. league. I saw that. I'm interested. Well, well, you know what? Actually, we'll we'll just let that segue right into the Thursday night football game that we just had, and we'll talk about that because I do want to get your opinions on DJ moving forward. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. You know, I think he's going to be fine. I, 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 having the expectation that he's going to repeat 2016, I think is unrealistic. I think that was his great year, uh, but he's still a good back. And you know, the last, you know, the injury he missed a year with a broken wrist. You know, that's not wear and tear on his legs and body. And while he came into the league a little bit older, you know, the guy is still pretty talented and yeah. i think he's set up to uh go a little bit later into his career at a high level so i feel like he's still got the potential to be a, a back-end rb1 probably more of a, a mid-tier rb2 uh if he gets it put back together uh i i felt with that trade that you know, I, I already have on that team. I've got uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Marlon Mack, Frank Gore. Uh, I had Duke Johnson, but I included him in the trade. Yeah, and and it it was just a uh, you know bark throughout that uh, that he was on the block, and I thought you know I bark inquired about Devin Singletary, and and while I like Singletary as a talent. He's on my. He was on my taxi squad. I I wasn't gonna play him in that league. Uh, we don't have any flexes. Yeah, it's two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, one quarterback, uh, and and some IDP players. So I I felt like I had good enough depth at running back that I could take a chance on uh, DJ getting back on the field later this year. And who knows? There's some scuttlebutt that uh, he he might get moved in the off season. Uh, I think he's definitely a talented back. Now I've, I've kind of been on Kenyon Drake for a long time, and just he's kind of had the Josh Rosen situation, but for running backs, just can't catch a break with the teams he's on, and they're just you know what the coaches just don't seem to want to give him the ball, and then when they do, he'll have he'll have a game like he did last night, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next game he gets four touches. And, yeah. and so you, it's just hard to tell. So I, I like what Drake did, but uh, I feel like potentially with that offense, you could have two productive running backs. I don't think either – neither one of them will give you that RB1 week on a consistent basis. Um, but Arizona needs to – you know, they need talent. Yeah. And when uh, DJ comes back, you know, they released Alfred Morris today. DJ's expected to play this week. Um, probably split time with Drake. So 
we'll see how it goes. I, I felt it was worth taking a chance with that team. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'm in the playoff hunt there, so I don't blame you at all for making that move. I, I, I'm always about acquiring talent. I'm with you. I think DJ is going to be perfectly fine. Maybe. You know, we'll see what happens with the injury. You can never know with back injuries, but if they're already saying as of Friday, a day after their Thursday night game, that he's going to be ready to go by next week, I'm not worried about him whatsoever. You talked about Kenyon Drake. He obviously had a phenomenal game last night, bringing in 28.2 points in that game. Just phenomenal. It sucks. Not a lot of people expected him to do much of anything. In fact, the guy everybody thought was going to be good. Uh, and Tevin Coleman on the 49ers side does nothing, just gets you 23 yards on 12 carries, uh, getting you just 5.6 points. But on the Cardinals side, I mean, Drake looked fantastic. We saw an Andy Isabella siding, Kyler Murray, although had a decent day, but obviously the 80-yard touchdown pass to Isabella really kind of boosted his numbers even more. Um, you know, with the Cardinals side here, obviously, as we talked about, Drake looking phenomenal. What do you expect out of him moving forward uh, with DJ? Because me and Matt both talked about earlier in the week. We uh, On Thursday, we did a full trade podcast. So yesterday, went over all the trades that had happened. Uh, and both of us obviously both think he's going to be somewhere else next year, that he's going to kind of finish out this year with Arizona and move on. I hope that he's able to continue to produce like he did last night because as you have been I've also been on the Kenyon Drake train for a while now and I do think that he has a chance to be a phenomenal running back if he's given the opportunity if he continues to produce like that I imagine someone will give him a shot but just for this year what do you expect him to do fantasy wise being paired there with DJ well is is he in the final year of his contract will he be a free agent next year yes he will be a free agent next year all right well, I, I think going forward this year, I, I could see him and uh, uh, DJ splitting time. You know, they're both pretty dynamic runners and uh, great. DJ is a great pass catcher. Drake is a, a pretty good pass catcher. So they they have a similar skill set. DJ is a bigger back than Drake, but Drake isn't small by any stretch. Um, and, and they're both pretty fast uh you know they're not four or three guys but they're both pretty fast so uh obviously dj has more experience with the offense he's been in that offense all off season and during the regular season so he's going to know it a lot better but drake showed last night you know you if you give him a package of plays uh he's going to make something happen so i i like him i think he's going to be if DJ is starting and playing, I could see Drake being a, a flex consideration on a weekly basis. Yeah, I'm with you on that, actually. I think if they start to use him in that Edmonds role, we really saw even before the DJ injury, Edmonds had started to get more and more work in the backfield. We know Edmonds is going to be out for at least a couple more weeks. So I like Drake moving forward. If you've got him, I, I feel perfectly fine playing him in a flex spot. Obviously, you're not going to expect him to do what he did last night, but I think with uh, with what he's shown already in one game and really that kind of offense on how they use the backs uh, with Cliff Kingsbury, you are perfectly fine using him. Uh, on the, the 49ers side, I mean, Jimmy GQ had himself a night. First time in his career, he had four touchdown passes. Oh, but he's just a game manager, Matt. Well, I mean, I really do still think he is, but he did have a good night. I will give him that. 28-37, 317 yards and four touchdowns. Again, the first time that he's ever thrown four touchdowns in his career, 43.8 points. Uh, in fantasy, George Kittle had a huge game after a very scary-looking injury or looked like he was going to have a very scary knee injury. Uh, 19.9 points in this one. 
79 yards on six catches and one touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders continues to be the guy here for them, though. 112 yards on seven catches and a touchdown to come in at wide receiver with uh, 24.2 points. Dante Pettis shows up. 21 yards on one catch in the touchdown play, nine points. And then Debo Samuel, 40 yards on four catches. So they stay undefeated. Coleman and Breida continue to be a headache for everybody. I mean, everybody and their mothers last night were talking about Tevin Coleman being the play with as bad as Arizona was against the run. And then, of course, it's Matt Breida who comes out and has the good game here. What do you take on the wide receivers? Me and Matt talked about on Thursday how, for me, the only players I trusted starting were Kittle and Sanders. Those two obviously come through for you. But we do see some good games here out of Pettis and Samuel. You had on here that Samuel had a bad drop as well. What's your kind of takeaway from those? Are are they moving anywhere toward flex-worthiness for you in Pettis and Samuel? You know, Pettis isn't. Uh, Pettis was, you know, I'm not sure what his snap count was yesterday, but I think that that was his only target, I think, that he caught for the touchdown. So they're definitely trying to get the ball to Samuel. They like Samuel in that short area. Sanders is clearly the the wide receiver one there. Um, he he's gonna get the line. He's gonna lead him in target. He's gonna get the lion's share of targets and catches. Um, and he's showing that he should. I, I think that uh, Sanders' presence is gonna take some of the pressure off of Samuel and and Pettis to have to perform. But that was a terrible drop that Samuel had in the end zone, man. That was <laughs> that was a bad drop, and you know that's not a that's not how you uh, uh, engender yourself to your quarterback by dropping passes right. like that. Uh, I like Samuel's talent. Uh, I like him better than Pettis, and you know I'm not a big Pettis fan, but uh, I. I think that Samuel, in PPR leagues especially, Samuel is going to start pushing for that uh, low-end flex uh, on a consistent basis. Okay. And with with uh, Sanders and, and uh, Kittle sort of taking some of that pressure off him, I, I think that he'll have an opportunity now. He can sit back and relax. Uh, I, I think he came in and felt like he had a chance to be the guy, and he's been pushing to show that he's the guy. And he's not ready to be the guy. But I think he's been trying to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and it's shown in the inconsistency that he's played with. And, and uh, you know, that bad drop was just another example of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Pettis. I think, you know, he just, you know, last, last season, I think he was just the handsomest, ugly guy at the dance. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree with you and, on that. Actually, and this year it's it's one of those things where they they're bringing in better talent, and he just keeps getting pushed further and further down. So he's going to have to start to figure out, uh, you know, where does he fit? Is he that wide receiver three, wide receiver four? You know, you remember Ted Ginn was drafted real high there in San Francisco, and for all intents and purposes, was declared a bust. And he recreated himself as a special teams uh, maven that filled in in the the wide receiver three, wide receiver four spot, and eventually topped out as uh, the the two in a couple locations. Yeah, uh, the big play threat, and he's had what a fourteen year career now or something. Yeah, it's, he's, he's been, been around quite a, a long time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Pettis has really kind of become not necessarily a fair comparison because I do think Tyler Boyd is better than him, but almost Tyler Boydish in the way that we put expectations on him this year. When the AJ Green injury happened, we kind of put all these expectations on Tyler Boyd, expecting him to be a one, uh, and then he really hasn't had that bad of a year. But I think he's just kind of shown us that he is what he is. He gets you a lot of catches and yards, but he's just not going to get you a lot of touchdowns. And I feel like because there was no real threat there as a one, we saw Dante Pettis have a couple good games at the end of the year last year and we just anointed anointed him as this one even when Kyle Shanahan and everybody came out and said that that Dante Pettis was not really going to be the one and we were like no nah, no he is going to be maybe we should have just listened uh, I'm with you Emmanuel Sanders is obviously the one we've seen it the past two weeks now uh, I like Debo I, I feel like I need to see it from him though before I'm going to trust throw him in my flex spot uh, but he's obviously slowly kind of coming on more and more had that really big game I think it was all the way back in week two was quiet for a couple weeks and it's, it's quietly had a couple good games here lately so I like what I'm seeing out of Debo. Obviously, would have had a much better game last night had he not dropped the touchdown pass. Uh, but if he continues to get more integrated in this offense, you want to buy into as much as you can because these Kyle Shanahan offenses tend to put up a lot of points. Let's see. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump in and talk about all of the or the rest of the games on the Week Nine slate. We eating all day, bro. <laughs> So the first game we've got, uh, forgot we had a very early Monday morning game, or Sunday morning game. My goodness, I'm all messed up today. Uh, so we're going to start with that in London, so make sure to set your lineups very early, and that is the Texans and the Jaguars. On the Texans' side, second against the pass, 23rd against the rush. This is points against... So obviously, two is very bad. 23 is good because it's going backwards. So very bad against the pass, but they're decent here against the rush. Fournette, though, I still think he's got to be in your lineups. He has been a baller all year long. Finally kind of bringing back, I've said it before, I'll say it again, that, that value of everybody who drafted him 1-1 a couple years ago. He's finally bringing that back and looking good for you. Um, let's see, my question for you... So we saw, obviously, uh, in the last matchup uh, when the Texans and Jaguars played each other that Chris Conley and DJ Chark both went off. We know D.D. Westbrook is likely not going to play. So are you willing to put both of them in your lineups this week? We've seen Chris Conley have a couple good weeks, and DJ Chark still sitting as a top-five fantasy wide receiver. Well, I, I like Chark a lot. I think he's stepping up and taking the lead role there. But Conley makes me nervous. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think he's really shown the consistency that, that I look for or that you would hope. Uh, you know, if he gets a touchdown, I, it, it, it really helps out. But he's kind of one of those guys that's given you, you know, three for 37 and a touchdown. And if he doesn't get that touchdown, then you've got three for 37. Um, that's really my hesitation with Conley. Uh, we play in a lot of deep leagues, and so I've, I've started him a couple times this year and been happy to get those six or seven points. 
But uh, it's the DJ Chark show there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then, uh, uh, you know, he's the explosive one. It's, I think Conley is just a little too similar to Chark. And so when D.D. Westbrook is out, Conley doesn't fill that role very well. And so he when with uh, Westbrook out, it doesn't really do anything for Conley's game. Gotcha. All right, fair enough. On the, the Texans side here, so the Jags 20th against the pass, 21st against the rush, so obviously a very good defense here. Regardless of that, you're playing Hopkins, especially with Fuller being out. We've seen with Fuller being out, that just seems to really kind of run the offense through Hopkins. You're obviously playing Deshaun Watson, MVP candidate. My question for you is on a couple other players. We've seen Duke Johnson getting a little bit more work, a guy you just traded away, as we were talking about earlier. Would you be willing to play him or Hyde this week? And what are your thoughts about Darren Fells, who is currently sitting as a top 10 tight end in fantasy? Well, I, I think, didn't we all call that age 33 breakout for Darren Fells? I think we did, yeah. it was. It, I'll find it somewhere, or I can throw it in a podcast somewhere just so we did call it. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. He he, you know, Fells has been one of those guys that's flashed over the years, and I think that's what what's kept him in the league for ten or twelve years. He's a big guy, so he's a good blocker. So he ends up just kind of hanging around as that third tight end. And when Jordan Thomas went down this year, uh, I think Fells just ended up being a little more athletic than Jordan Aikens. And so he ends up catching touchdown passes. You know, he's not going to get you. I, I, I think if he gets you a 50-yard game, you'll be ecstatic. But it's uh, he's he kind of does that Chris Conley thing where, he, you know, three catches for 27 yards. Uh, but Falzo dropped two or three touchdowns on you if you're not watching. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, about Adam? I, I, I think Hyde is starting to establish a fairly consistent floor. Laramie Tunsil coming over has kind of shored up that offensive line a little bit. And so, you know, I, I don't think Hyde is going to – Houston is ever going to put him in that 20 to 25 carry range, which is good – which benefits Hyde because he's that big battering ram type of back at 225, 230 pounds. And so him wearing down that the defense – and getting carries in the fourth quarter is is what makes his overall stats look good. But if you can live with 3.9 yards a carry for 15 carries or 12 carries uh, and, and a touchdown, you know, uh, Hyde is a, a decent play in, in that regard, especially as players are getting dinged up. We got four teams on a bye this week. We're going to have a couple weeks with six teams on a bye coming up. Yeah. So – this is this is where you you want to start to grab those those floor running backs, kind of make a trade for them and get them so that you, you know the the LaShawn McCoys that are going to get the 12, 14 touches. You know, I traded away Singletary in the the uh, David Johnson deal, and part of my reasoning was is that I Singletary wasn't going to help me this year. I, I didn't see myself promoting him from the the taxi squad because Frank Gore is still going to get the, the 12 to 18 carries in Buffalo. Singletary is making stuff happen when he gets the ball. He's just only getting it about five times a game. 
And so for me, I wasn't going to really be in a position with a start two. Uh, and, and both Mac and McCaffrey uh, having been having passed their buys, uh, unless they get injured, which could happen, I wasn't really going to be uh, playing single, promoting Singletary and playing him. And I felt like getting DJ would put me in that better position. So circling back here to uh, the teams we're actually talking about. Uh, <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to work Duke Johnson in there somehow since he was in the trade. So I was, I was waiting to see where you were going. No, I just think Hyde gives you a decent floor. Um, and, and, and so, if you, you know, 12 carries, 60 yards, 55 yards, touchdown upside, maybe a couple passes. Duke is starting to make some stuff happen. I think he's starting to settle in. Uh, but I, I, in the ground game, he's the second option in Houston. Uh, and unfortunately, Deshaun Watson doesn't throw a ton of passes to the running backs. Yeah. So Duke, Duke is getting a, a little better touch opportunities. But he's, you know, he's not the, he's not going to carry the. He's not going to put the team on his shoulders and run the ball 20 times right. uh, either. And, and he's not going to hold up if you try to do it with him. Carlos Hyde, if you get in a crunch, if Houston goes somewhere where they're playing in the mud, the blood, and the beer, you know, Carlos Hyde is going to, he's a mutter and he's, he's going to do that. I don't think Duke Johnson could do that. Yeah, I'm with you. I forgot to say uh, to begin with, uh, Houston being given 1.5 points and the 67% chance to win this game. Uh, who are you picking to win here in London? I think the last London game of the year, too. I think so. You know, I uh, as much as I'd like to go with my boy Lenny Fournette, because I have a few shares of him around, I think this is going to be a Deshaun Watson, uh, DeAndre Hopkins game. And so uh, I think, well... Yeah, I'm going to stick with Houston, even with them losing J.J. Watt. Yeah, I'm going to take the Jags. I, I picked them to win in the, the FLA picks thing. I, I like Minshew Manny. I think he's going to get it done here. Next up, we've got the Titans and the Panthers. The Panthers getting 3.5 points and the 51% chance to win this game. On the Panthers' side here, so the Titans, 23rd against the pass, 25th against the rush. So very good in both categories. Regardless, you're starting Christian McCaffrey because he is phenomenal, likely going to be probably a top five back again this week. We do know that, obviously, the Titans, good pass defense, and we're going to have Kyle Allen starting at least one more game at QB this week. Uh, we've seen Moore and Samuel kind of bounce back and forth here and there on that. What do you expect to get from them? Uh, we didn't. Uh, I do need to know. We don't know if anything's going to happen, but Samuel did not practice today, being Friday, uh, due to an injury that usually is a bad sign if they do not practice Friday, but there's not been any talks about him being out. So assuming right now he plays, are you playing Moore or Samuel against a very good secondary? Yeah. I, I think definitely I'm comfortable playing more. Samuel, I think, gets you some flex consideration. Uh, the the challenge in Carolina when it comes to the wide receivers is honestly Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I mean, he's doing what he's doing. So why why would you take a chance, unnecessary chances, throwing the ball downfield when McCaffrey's – going to get you four or five, six yards of pop carrying the ball, uh, or you can complete 
you know, a five yard pass to McCaffrey and he's going to get you 35 yards out of it, maybe 80 yards out of it. Uh, and it's a much higher percentage throw for your young quarterback. I, I like DJ Moore and I like Curtis Samuel and I think they're going to be, uh, a dynamic duo at wide receiver, but I, I just don't think that Kyle Allen is not that, uh, elite passing quarterback and for that record at this point in his career cam newton is not either Uh, i i expect with him going to see dr anderson and reports coming out that his foot is not getting better uh, i think we're in for uh a a second half of the season of kyle kyle allen so it's i wouldn't be surprised yeah it's i for me, if if I if I have players in this situation, I'm planning as if Cam is going to be gone for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I mean, I know Kyle Allen had a bad game last week, but San Francisco's defense still considered one of the best in the league. I mean, he's looked very good in all the other games. We've seen kind of up and down with DJ Moore and Samuel. I think both have kind of fallen into that flex territory for me. You know, you're starting CMC. I don't really think there was anybody outside of that. I mean, we saw Greg Olson have a couple good weeks, but really outside, of, I think it was like week one, two, and three, he's kind of really fallen off the map. So it's just those three. I mean, I would say probably at this point you have other players you could probably play over Samuel. I would feel comfortable starting more. Uh, probably every week in Samuel, I think until Cam comes back, assuming Cam eventually comes back, maybe even next year, uh, he'll be he'll be a fine player moving forward. Who? Uh, oh, I was about to ask you who you're picking. We do, do do need to technically talk about the Titans. So the Panthers, middle tier against the pass, but very bad against the running or, or yeah, running back. So you've got Derrick Henry is likely in for a very big day here. Uh, has for the most part looked very good, been an RB2 almost every single game, had a couple bad games here and there. But with a middle-tier pass defense, I expected Davis to have a big week last week. Do you expect him to bounce back uh, this week against a middle-of-the-pack uh, middle of the pack pass defense? And what do you think about Jonu Smith as a possible tight end sleeper in a bad tight end landscape? Yeah, I, I think Smith is is popping up and and showing that he's definitely been worth the wait. Uh, but Corey Davis and AJ Brown, whichever one of them gets James Bradbury, uh, you can count them out. Yeah, James. That overall the numbers may not look great for pass defense, but James Bradbury is shutting people down. He's playing really really good. So if he goes up on Corey Davis, it's going to be a, a it, it could be a tough day, and Ryan Tannehill is not known for taking chances. So it, it might be, it might just be a Jonu Smith kind of day. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it at all. I mean, I'm hoping Corey. It sucks because I know we we've talked about it before. Corey Davis is just phenomenally talented, and the poor guy can just not catch a break when it comes to quarterback. It does look like Tannehill is targeting him more often. Obviously, last week would have been the week against a really bad pass defense to kind of come out big and did absolutely nothing. Who are you taking in this one, the Carolina Panthers or the Tennessee Titans? I'm going to take the Carolina Christian McCaffreys. 
as am I. Next up, we've got a game that likely very few people will be watching, and that is the Washington Redskins and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills getting 10.5 points and the 68% chance to win this game on the Bills side. So the Redskins 10th against the pass, not against the rush, so very bad. Bottom obviously 10 in both categories, which I imagine means the Bills offense is going to be very good in this one. I do expect it to be a little bit closer than others do think, uh, but I do think you're firing up John Brown and Cole Beasley. You were talking a little bit earlier about Devin Singletary and Frank Gore. So do you expect more out of Singletary? I do think some of it has been them trying to ease him back in the workload as he has been out obviously for a while with the hamstring. Has slowly been getting more and more work. Do you expect him to get more work here against a bad rush defense or do you still expect it to be the Frank Gore show? Well, I, the only I guess the only reason I could see him getting additional work would be is if the bills get up and the game is fairly handily controlled. So if they're up by three touchdowns late in the third quarter, I could see them sitting Gore down. You know, he's, he's 114 years old. Uh, let him, let him rest his weary legs a little, little bit and, and, and let the young guy get a few extra carries. But I, I think Sean McDermott has built this team in a certain fashion and they execute their, game plan in a very particular way. And I think he's going to stick with that because it feels like it's working. You know, the culture lately, it, you know, Dan Snyder and the Redskins culture has started to get a bunch of uh, teams and a bunch of fanalists all, you know, kind of using culture as the buzzword. But I think uh, McDermott has done that. He sort of created this. He's one of those, He's the right guy for the right team in the right city. Right. And and that you know they stuck with him while he got over that hump and now things are going the way that he wanted them to go. He's putting the pieces in place. He's you know jo- got Josh Allen. He's got some some decent wide receivers, decent running backs. You know they've got to build their offensive line. They've got some pieces on defense. So he's kind of just started, he's building that foundation and he's pushing and he's pushing. And and I think they're just kind of going in the right direction. So I don't think they're going to drastically change anything that they're doing. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. It's uh, why I actually sold Singletary in, in one of the leagues that I was in as well, a redraft league, because I feel like just this year he's not really going to get that much more work. I do think they're going to continue to rely on Frank Gore because it's working. They're currently in the playoffs. The offense is working just fine with them. So I do think they'll increase Singletary's role a little bit, maybe more in the receiving game, but I'm with you. I think Gore is going to get a lot of the carries, which unfortunately is going to limit what what we expected from Singletary at the beginning of the year, especially once McCoy got cut. On the, on the Redskins side here, so the Bills 31st against the pass, 8th against the rush, so one of the best pass defenses in the league despite what we saw against last week against Philly. Uh, but they are just getting destroyed in the running game here. Haskins is getting his first official start this week, uh, so that'll be interesting. I'm excited to see how that works with him. I did want to mention that Darius Geis has already been uh, been brought off off the IR. The first game he can play is unfortunately not until week 11, but if he's available on your waiver wires, grab him now, as I do think what we've seen from uh, Coach Callahan here is that he wants to run the ball, and Darius Geis is a phenomenal 
running back. I think once he becomes the starter, uh, he will get a lot of carries. I, I don't think they'll phase Peterson out completely after they did that in week one and the team got really upset about it. But guys, is a phenomenal back. So pick him up. Might be a guy who could help you win a championship in redraft leagues. Outside of that, though, I would imagine you agree with this. The only player worth playing on the Redskins roster right now is Terry McLaurin. Well, I, I think if you've got the uh, Bills defense that's given up the eighth most uh, points to rushing to running backs, I, I don't see why you wouldn't try to get uh, Adrian Peterson going as well, okay. especially when you have a, a rookie quarterback making his first start. Uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins so far this year has kind of been dealt a shitty hand. You know, he had a head coach in. Uh, Gruden that it's come out didn't really want him didn't prepare him to play said he wasn't ready he didn't say he couldn't be ready or wouldn't get ready he just didn't get him ready and then put him in there and when he looked bad said see I told you and, and you know it's like Gruden was trying to break his confidence or something and then the next time he gets he goes in he still hasn't taken a he hasn't had a lot of first-team reps. He hasn't been deeply involved in the game plan. Looked a little better. Still made a couple, some bad throws. Had a couple, you know, had a couple interceptions. But I think now we're looking at it, and he, it's, you know, the Bills are going to play tough, and and they're the Redskins are not likely to win this game. But at least Haskins is getting a fair shake. Yeah, he's taking the first-team reps. He's installing the game plan. He's there from the get-go this week. And so I, I think Adrian Peterson is primed for 25 carry day. You know, he may not he it may be one of those three three point six or three point seven yards per carry days. And, and it may be buoyed by, you know, a couple twenty yard runs. But they're I think they're gonna lean on Peterson. Mm-hmm. With Haskins making his first start, now doing that, it may open up a couple shots to loosen things up, and, and McLaurin is definitely that guy there. I, I was reading, uh, oh, I I think it might have been MVS Scouting on Twitter, Matt Valdovinos, that was who's a Redskins fan, uh-huh. saying something about. Uh, Having McLaurin there, they there was an interview with McLaurin where he was talking to Haskins about playing in the NFL and basically said was saying uh, the the gist of the article was McLaurin knows how to talk to Haskins in those pressure situations, right? And to reassure him that hey, you're 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 fine, stay calm, keep it together, we got this. I'm here for you. You're he- here because you're supposed to be. And basically, he's got that friendly voice to keep him focused, with, to help him kind of keep his cool. Whether or not there's that'll pan out, I don't know. I I, I definitely think uh, uh, Haskins has some talent. Mc- McLaurin definitely has some talent. But uh, McLaurin has shown that you know he's almost matchup proof or almost quarterback proof, I guess, is probably the better, uh, the, the better phrasing. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I like 
the teaming, but I do think it's going to be a Hammer Adrian Peterson kind of day. All right, very interesting. Who are you taking, the Redskins or the Bills? I'm taking the Bills. As am I. Next up, we've got the Vikings and the Chiefs, which, Chiefs, which should be a very good game here. The uh, Vikings getting 2.5 points and are projected to win this one by 52% on the Vikings side here. So the Chiefs are 26th against the pass, 4th against the rush. So Cook is likely in for a huge game. Pretty much been doing that every single week so far this season anyways. The big question comes down to a very good pass defense. Either, neither, or both on Thielen and Diggs. I'm, I'm definitely hesitant with Thielen coming off the hamstring injury. So I, I feel like he's going to get some limited reps. Uh, it'll be Diggs and Ola B.C. Johnson and Thielen sprinkled in. Okay. But you, you, you definitely don't want, you know, by sprinkled in, I mean Thielen will definitely start the game because he's the starter. But he's going to probably get some more rest to make sure that uh, he doesn't aggravate that hamstring and end up being out for even longer. Yeah, I think Diggs is going to continue to ball out. We've seen him and Cousins have really been kind of on a tear here the past couple weeks. I agree with you. I don't – obviously, Thielen will be out there, and if they say he's going to start, you have to play him because all it takes is that one play to make your fantasy day. But I would not imagine they're going to rely on him as heavily as they did earlier in the season until he's fully healthy from that hamstring injury. On the Chiefs side here, the Vikings uh, 13th against the pass, 27th against the rush. Uh, So very good run team, but can't get beat in the secondary. With them being such a good rush defense, are you liking McCoy or Williams? Because I feel like obviously when Mahomes went down, we all thought they might lean more heavily on the run, and neither one has really kind of stepped up and proved anything. Man, I haven't liked Williams all season. (laughs) That's fair point. Dude, they're very good. Man, he's he's not, not good. So, no, I don't like him. Uh, I, I think McCoy is showing his age, uh, but I definitely, of the of the two of them, he's the one I want to play. I think he's fam- familiar. he's got the familiarity with Andy Reid's offense. He's got to work on that ball security. He can't carry it loose out there. But uh, even with Matt Moore, though, I think this is a passing team. Yeah. You've got Hart- Hardman and, and Hill and Kelsey and – Watkins and Robinson, you know, they're going to throw the ball. Even, I think Matt Moore, he may throw the ball, set a, a career high for pass attempts in a game. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, obviously uh, I'm with you on that. I do think they're going to throw the ball out. The only two I would feel comfortable starting or, or I could set in my lineup and, and feel per- perfectly fine about our Hill and Kelsey, uh, but you know Hardman or one of those guys is going to also have a good game. I just personally would not feel comfortable throwing them in there. Who are you picking to win, the Vikings or the Chiefs? Uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Ooh, I Listen, like Matt, it. Matt Moore magic. I am going to take the Vikings. Next up, another game that I don't think a lot of people are going to be watching, the Jets and the Dolphins. So the Jets being given the 57% chance to win this game and giving three points on the Jets side here. The Dolphins, sixth against the pass, second on the rush, so they're just giving up points all over the place. Likely means Le'Veon Bell is in for a bounce-back game, kind of been struggling the past couple weeks. Herndon. 
Supposedly, this will be his first game back. He is still listed as questionable. I talked about it a little bit during the week with Matt, uh, that with what I've seen out of Ryan Griffin, who is a good tight end, but in my opinion, not quite as offensively talented as Chris Herndon, I think once Chris Herndon is ready to go, he is going to ball out in this offense. He is your guy. What are your takes on Herndon? And then are you willing to play Anderson uh, this week as well in such a good matchup? Yeah, I think you have to play Anderson in a matchup like this. And even Demarius Thomas, Demarius is showing that he's got uh, a nice intermediate chemistry with Sam Darnold. Uh, He's sort of turning into that safety blanket uh, plus. So you've got Crowder, who's the safety blanket next to the line. Then you've got, you know, eight yards down or 10 yards down is where you got Demarius Thomas. And then you've got Robbie Anderson over the top. And so I think that this is one of those games against a team that, you know, they can get right. You know, Darnold can get through the game without seeing ghosts, as he says. Uh, you know, especially after, you know, the Jets traded away Leonard Williams, who maybe didn't pan out uh, the way that they had hoped when they drafted him, but was still a quality defensive lineman. Um, it, it's, you know, the, or wait, that that he's that's the wrong side there. Really screwed that one up. Oh, you're good. <laughs> uh, anyways, the Dolphins, you know, their defense is pretty poor. They're not uh, they're they're not getting any sacks. They're not getting any turnovers. Uh, you know, Akib Talib is is injured. He's not going to help them. So it, it it'll be a game for that for the Jets offense to put up some points. Yeah, on on the Dolphins side, I I don't I can't trust anybody here. I mean, the the Jets obviously not very good either. Ninth in, and ninth in points against and second in the rushing points against there. So they're giving up a lot of points. I just don't know who you can trust. I, I've talked about how much I liked Mark Walton coming out of Miami in college, and, and really the only thing held him back I thought was the ankle injuries. Uh, but I just don't think you can trust him more out of a flex spot. Obviously, I know you're a big fan of Preston Williams. I like him a lot as well. Uh, seems to have a couple really good plays, and then they either put somebody on him or, for whatever reason, they just move away from him. He doesn't do anything. So are you, gonna, are you willing to play any Dolphins players on your roster this week? Well, I do have Preston Williams in a couple lineups, uh, mostly out of necessity. Uh, and Mark Walton in a lineup or two as well. I think Walton is, is comporting himself very well. Uh, he's he's looking like the best guy on a terrible team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they've got to run some kind of offense. And they're going against a defense that's, you know, frankly not good. It, if the Dolphins are going to win a game, this might be the one. They yeah, might just fuck around be. and pull this one out. It's uh, a... <laughs> You know, it, it's you're right. Nobody's going to be watching it, but it, it could end up actually being a game that's relatively competitive and uh, has some suspense with, you know, will the Dolphins get their first win? All right. Well, with, with making that statement, are you going to pick the Dolphins to win this one? Nah, I'm going with the Jets, man. As am I. Next up, a uh, what looks like could be a very good game in the Chicago Bears and the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly getting 4.5 points and the 62% chance to win this game. On Philly's side here, so the Bears are... 
29th against the pass, 13th against the rush, so giving up a lot of points in the running game here. Sanders or Howard? I, I, I do think, obviously, Howard is getting a lot more of the work, but the way they're using Sanders in the receiving game makes him an extremely interesting option. You start in either one of them. Yeah, I think they're both start-worthy. Okay. Uh, you know, Sanders is showing the explosiveness. And Howard is showing, you know, it's it's a floor-ceiling combination. If you've got both of them on your team and one flex spot left, it, it you're asking yourself, do I need somebody to go crazy or do, do I need 20 points or do I need 10 points? Because Howard will get you 10 probably. Right. Or maybe, maybe, the, maybe the better number is 8 and 16. You know, Howard will get you 8 pretty, pretty comfortably. And... But Sanders is the one that's going to get you the the 16 to 20 points uh, because he could take one to the house on a long run. He's catch some passes. So it, it's a it's a floor ceiling combination. And you got to kind of ask, where are you in that in that whole mix there? Yeah, um, with that being said, the, the Bears, I'm with you on that. I agree with you. If you want the upside, you're going Sanders. Consistency is crazy as it is to say you're going Howard. Uh, uh, with the with the Bears having such a good pass defense, though, are you trusting anybody in this passing game? Because I personally am not. Like, I know you've got to throw Ertz out there, but I almost feel like with as much as Goddard's been producing, he's really kind of hurting Ertz a lot this year, which a lot of us talked about we thought might happen last year. Seems to be coming true this year. Are you trusting any of these receivers? Uh, you know, I think it was uh, Curtis Patrick or Ryan McDowell had thrown out there that since week four, uh, Zach Ertz is tight end 10 and Dallas Goddard is tight end nine. Yeah. So I, I, I think it, it with them, if, if you have one of them, you're likely playing them. Yeah. You have um, to, you know, you're probably going to start Alshon Jeffrey if you have him too. He's probably your wide receiver three. You know, maybe you roll the dice on somebody on a prayer, but you know, Jeffrey's a, a fairly consistent player and can, and he, you know, he's a big body and he can be hard to defend. Uh, I, I could see that, you know, the Eagles running game could put up some points uh, if, if their offensive line can be reasonably healthy you know the bears have shown uh, that they're susceptible to being run on yeah so you know that and jordan howard you know you know that revenge narrative is going to be out there you're going to hear it and maybe jordan howard says hey i'm going to i'm going to show them they should have <laughs> kept me i wouldn't doubt it on the bears side here unfortunately uh, the Eagles' weakness is the pass. They are one with points against, 28th in the rush, but that is also the uh, the Bears' weakness in throwing the ball. We've seen, especially with the injury, Mitch Trubisky has just really struggled this year. Uh, I, I still think you have to play Allen Robinson because he, regardless of how bad Mitch has been, has been phenomenal. Are you willing to trust anybody in this receiving core outside of A-Rob? No. Yeah, now I, I I keep hoping for Anthony Miller to break out. He was one of the guys going into this year. I I thought he might uh, be able to produce, but the Bears with Trubisky at the helm have shown that they they cannot support a second wide receiver. 
Yeah. Uh, and so David Montgomery is my next question. I talked about it. Uh, I did the Friday podcast last week by myself, and I said I thought he'd have a breakout game last week. He did. However, Eagles defense, phenomenal against the run. I think he's a fade this week. He'll still put up points. Likely, depending on when you drafted him, you have to play him, but I don't expect a big game out of him. What are your thoughts on Montgomery this week? I, I kind of agree with you. It's if you drafted him in the first, you know, I don't know, five or six rounds, yeah. you're 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 going to be sticking him out there and, and hoping he can build off of last week. Now, to expect him to to rack up numbers like he did last week, it's probably not realistic. He's definitely going to ha- have some more challenges. But that think could he have eighty yards and a touchdown? You know, that seems like a reasonable expectation. Yeah, I think that would be a great day for him if he's able to do that. Who are you picking, the Bears or the Eagles? You know, I think I'm going to go with the Eagles. Interesting. I'm going to take the Eagles as well. I was the leaning Bears, but I just think that offense is going to be just a little bit too much, and they're going to pull out the win. Next up, we've got the... Oh, I was going to say the Seattle Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, even spread, which is you do not see very often whatsoever, and Colts getting the 50.2% chance to win this. So they are expecting this to be a very close game, which is interesting because I don't necessarily see that. On the Colts side, though, Steelers 16th against the pass, 26th against the rush. So we do know T.Y. Hilton has been ruled out. That happened earlier today. So Zach Pascal, I mean, I really don't know who you're trusting in this wide receiver core or really the tight ends. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron have both been decent. They've both been printing up pretty much the same set numbers every single week outside of a couple touchdowns that Eric Ebron has got that has put him ahead of uh, Doyle in points. So who are you looking at in this receiving core to possibly have a big game for Joe Kobe Brissett? I mean, who who else is left? You know, there's Nobody. Paris Campbell. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> you know, it, and it, it's – the teams, you know, it, they're very similar. You know, the Colts are 15th against the pass. The Steelers are 16th. The Colts are 24th against the rush. The Steelers are 26th. So it, it's – and now that means they give up the 26th fewest. So if they're 26th against the rush, that means they're, what, the sixth best rush yeah. defense? Yes, exactly, yes. So, you know, it's going to be tough sledding for Marlon Mack and Jalen Samuels. Um, If I had to pick, you know, both offensive lines, though, are pretty good. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a battle. Um, So it comes down to me that I think it's. I'm going to probably shy away from the Colts receivers with with T.Y. Hilton out. you know, Jacoby Brissett's been playing really, really well. And so passing yards are going to come from somewhere. They're going to go somewhere, but you just don't know who. And, I think and it's so it, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a, a tough call. So it, it's hard. It's hard to really, you, you know, I guess if you're going to take any piece of the, the Colts passing game, that piece is going to be Brissett. 
Well, I, I think I'm going to go in on Hines a little bit here. We finally saw him get a little bit more involved last week. I, I think with them being able to stop the run, they might use him a little bit more. I, I could be wrong on that, uh, but I'm, I'm putting my faith in him a little bit this week. Again, with T.Y. Hill being out, I just don't know who you can trust. I mean, yes, we've seen Zach Pascal's had a couple good games, but I'm not trusting him to be the one, not against that secondary. I, I do think that if they throw Mack and Hines out there at the same time, he's one of those backs, just like Tariq Cohen, that you could possibly move into the slot at times, get a good matchup against the linebacker. Obviously, hope he don't get doesn't get masked up against a a, a, a bush there because he's fuck, he's phenomenal at linebacker. But I, I, I think Hines, I like Hines this week. I think offensively, outside of Brissett, he might be decent here. Uh, on the Steelers side, the Colts fifteenth against the pass, twenty fourth against the rush. Uh, regardless of, of that defense and, and, and I guess really a middle tier against the pass, still very good against the rush. I don't think you can play anybody on the Steelers outside of Jalen Samuels, who we know is going to get the rock with, with Connor being down and Benny Snell and then Juju. Like I know Deontay Johnson had a good game, uh, Monday night, but really a lot of those points came on that third down touchdown pass that he probably should not have scored on to begin with. So for me personally on this offense, I'm just trusting Jalen Samuels and Juju. What about you? Why, why do you trust Jalen Samuels over Marlon Mack when they're going against almost the exact qual- same quality of defense? The, you, do you think that Samuels is a better back? No. So if I had to say, if I had to pick one or the other rushing wise, I would give it to Marlon Mack. The difference I think is the fact that they have no one else, that Samuels is going to get all of the receiving work and the rushing work. And so PPR league say he gets, you know, I don't know, eight, to six to 10 catches for 30, 50 yards, maybe a touchdown. He makes your day as a running back to or flex option. I, I'm going just full workload with Samuels this week. My one fear with Mac is if they do get down or if they do do something, like I said earlier, where they start using Naheem Hines a little bit more, because we have seen him get a little bit more work here the past couple weeks. I do think that, not that Mac is not a good pass catcher, because he can be, but that's what they use Naheem Hines for, that if Naheem Hines comes in there and takes that workload from him, I just don't expect Mac to put up a lot of work on the ground. Okay, fair enough. But that's I it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm buying into the Steelers passing attack. I think I think that's probably going to be the you know with Juju and Deontay Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, even even James Washington a little bit. I feel like that's where the that's going to be what decides the game. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, like I said, I'm not expecting Samuels to go off and have like a running back one kind of week. I think at best middle tier RB2. I just think because he's really the only back they have, he's going to get a big enough workload and all it takes is that touchdown to kind of make his day. So I'm not saying don't 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 make I don't want anybody to think I'm saying Jalen Samuels RB1 for the week cuz that's not going to happen. Uh but I am interested that you're still in on James Washington. I don't that guy scares the crap out of me, and I had such high hopes for him too. I don't. I, I mean, I, I mean, I would maybe play Deontay Johnson. I don't know if I could trust Jalen. Uh, J- I keep saying Jalen Samuels, James Washington this week. Yeah, I don't. You know, Washington is that boomer bust guy yeah. uh, on the team. Uh, yeah, uh, Johnson is is stepping into that number two role and taking the uh, pressure off of Juju. And so I, I definitely think that they have a, a very – they have a nicely balanced attack now and, and with Vance McDonald healthy again, uh, he's a really strong pass-catching tight end so long as he can stay healthy. So yeah. they, they, they're going to have the better balance, I think. 
Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. Who are you picking, the the Steelers or the Colts? I'm going to go with the Steelers as much as it pains me. Interesting. I am taking the Indianapolis Colts. The next game, uh, I really want to avoid talking about. I have a bad feeling that it's not going to go my way. But we've got the Cleveland Browns and the Denver Broncos. The uh, Browns getting four points here, and the uh, for whatever reason, as me and Matt talked about on Thursday, the Broncos getting the 59% chance to win this game, which uh, doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. On the Browns' side, though, they are obviously going two-mile high, which does give the Broncos a little bit of an advantage. Their uh, defense, 27th pass, 18th rush. Um, Harris is likely going to be on Odell, so I don't think you can expect much out of him. We've seen Harris has been, he's always been a phenomenal slot cornerback. Now that they've been putting him on the number one wide receiver on each team, he has pretty much shut down everybody, including the likes of DeAndre Hopkins, uh, DJ Chark. I can't remember some of the other guys he's gone up against off the top of my head, but he has literally shut everybody down. Not that OBJ has been producing as a wide receiver one this season, but I don't expect much out of him this week. But I do think that lends more to Landry and Callaway. Definitely Landry is in your lineups. Callaway, if you're in a deep league, I think he could possibly be a low-end flex starter since the, for whatever reason, the Browns seem to just not want to play Rashard Higgins whatsoever. And Chubb, I think, is in for a good day here as well with the with the rush defense being so bad. What What is your take on this Browns offense going up against this Denver defense? You know, Baker's got to kick in sometime. Yeah, and and they they've got. It's an opportunity, I think, for the Browns to run a fairly conservative offense. They're going to be going against Brandon Allen. I don't think the expectations are going to be very high. I think that Garrett Bowles isn't playing well. That uh, Broncos offensive line is struggling a little bit. And I, I feel like Miles Garrett and, and uh, uh, Olivier Vernon are, are really going to put some pressure on this young quarterback. So it, it's it's going to be a, a tough spot for the Broncos. And so the Browns will be able to really grind with that running game and Nick Chubb. And what, Kareem Hunt was came off the commissioner's list this week, didn't he? Or is he got yeah, comes he, off uh, on, on Tuesday? Yeah, he uh, the first week he can play is week 10, I believe, so next week. Uh, yeah, because no, he's, he's, he's suspended for eight games, and we had the bye. Um, so, no, I don't think he's activated until next Tuesday. Gotcha. Okay, so then week 11 would be the first week that he can play. So, you know, Dontrell Hilliard has looked good spelling uh, Nick Chubb. Uh, it, Ricky Seals Jones and, and Demetrius Harris have been fairly capable. Uh, I, I think that the Browns, I don't think they're going to be behind. And so there's not going to be that pressure from, for, for Baker and OBJ to feel like they've got to make spectacular plays. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to help the Browns out. I could see, you know, it's one of those games I could see being like a, a 24 to 10 kind of game. So it's not a ton of points, um, but it's a comfortable win nonetheless because the Browns defense uh, plays well. I mean, we got – is our Denzel and Greedy both back? Yes, yes, uh, they will Greedy both be came, in there. They came back last week, didn't yeah, they? Yes. So, you know, Schobert's playing like a man possessed. So we we – 
we've got the pieces to the defense coming together now. So I feel like it'll be a situation that's going to take the pressure off of Baker. Let them it'll take the pressure off of Freddie too. And they'll be able to, I, I feel like this is a, a I think the Browns are going to have a fairly decent win here. Well, you were talking about obviously Greedy and Ward being back. Would you still fire up Sutton? I mean, we know Brandon Allen, as you were just mentioning as well, is going to be at quarterback for the Broncos. Philip Lindsay is dealing with an injury, so really you're looking at Cortland Sutton and possibly Royce Freeman in your lineups this week for Denver, and that's about it. What are your feelings on those two? I I think Sutton has reached the point of uh, pretty much an every week start. I agree. So, you know, it's it's one of those – it doesn't matter who he's going against. With, with a good – you know, if he's matched up with Denzel Ward and he's got Brandon Allen throwing to him, he's likely in for a tough day. But you still start him because it only takes a couple plays for him to have a big day. Uh, Royce Freeman, uh, would you be willing to throw him in a flex spot, especially, again, the Browns' defense? Uh, they, while they've looked better the past couple weeks, so some of that I do think part of their defensive rating against the run is skewed in the fact that they were getting kind of torn up by the run early on. Definitely been better the past couple weeks. Lindsey is dealing with an injury. Would you be willing to throw Freeman in as a, uh, a flex starter this week? I would. I'm, I'm actually at that point where I'm starting to – I've started to look at my opponent's rosters. Uh, Freeman was one of my guys when he came out. Yeah. And I really, I, I only ended up being able to draft one share of him. And I actually ended up flipping that share uh, almost immediately for David Johnson. So I don't have, I haven't had any Royce Freeman at all. And I think we're almost to the point where I, I might be able to start to acquire a, a few shares of Royce Freeman. So I'm, I'm kind of taking a peek around, starting to take a look and uh, see what I can do. But uh, yeah, I, I like Royce Freeman. I think he's he's starting to he's 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 found a floor with his game, and it's he's just it, now he's starting to to build and progress. Uh, each week he's getting. A, a little he's doing a little more with his opportunities could be a struggle this week with with Brandon Allen and quarterback um, yeah. you know if, if Allen struggles with decision making or uh, you know he was known for having extremely small hands coming out so if he gets hit turns the ball over or you know the weather takes a bad turn and he makes some bad throws it, it could make it tough sledding on on Freeman but uh uh I, I like Royce just fine. All right. Who are you picking to win, the Browns or the Broncos? I'm taking the Browns. As am I. Next up, we've got the Detroit Screw Lions. you, Nighthawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about how we both think this uh, could end up being a very depressing game, actually. We said we wouldn't be surprised if this ended in like a 13-13 tie somehow. Uh, the uh, the Lions and the Raiders are next. Oakland getting 2.5 points and the 56% chance to win this game. On the Raiders' side here, the Lions, 11th against the Pash, 3rd against the Rush, which is a little bit surprising. I think Williams and Waller are both obviously in your lineups. and looks like Jacobs is in for a good matchup as well. Would you agree, for, or would you agree with those three? I would. Uh, you know, as much as 
Snacks Harrison gave a boost to the run defense last year. That seems to have dissipated fairly good, and the Lions can be run on pretty good. On the Raiders' side, same thing. Very bad against the pass in five and middle tier against the Russian 19. So I imagine Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are in for very good games. The one thing I will say, and I said it last week on Friday's pod, I did not think with uh, with carry-on going down that Ty Johnson would do much of anything. I would continue to fade their running game. I just don't trust them. Uh, what are your takes on this running game? Paul Perkins forever. Uh, you heard it here first, Dennis. Paul Perkins, RB one on the week. Put him in your lineups. I, you know, it's it's a struggle uh, in Detroit to run the game for for whatever reason. But Patricia hasn't turned that around, and losing Carry on Johnson didn't help. Yeah. Um. But you do see sometimes when you know you lose the lead back, and you've got this. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to call Ty Johnson a highly touted rookie, but there were some people that were on him. Uh, and then last week when he took over the role because he had flashed a little bit, some people were pretty excited and, and he just fell flat on his face. Um, part of that was the usage of Trey Carson, uh, who had actually Carson played in Cincinnati with the Lions running back for the Lions running back coach. So I think his familiarity with the running back coach and his system uh, helped Carson to get some of those uh, opportunities. But I do think Ty Johnson is the better back, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 McKissick. So I, I I I could see a scenario where all right expectations are lowered now. It's week two. Johnson comes out and he has a seventy-five yard game. And McKissick catches, you know, five balls for 60 yards. You know, between the two of them, they put up a a pretty solid flex-worthy day. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Who are you taking to win this game, the Lions or the Ravens? My Lions. That is who I took as well. Next up, we have what could be a very interesting game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks getting 4.5 points and the 65% chance to win this game. We'll start with the Bucks side first, though, uh, as they are going up against a very good, or I would say, well, decent Seattle Seahawks defense, 22nd against the pass and the rush. Tough matchup for them. I'm avoiding Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. We know O.J. Howard is out, so it's really just Mike Evans and Chris Godwin going in your lineups. Do you agree? Well, Cameron Brait's a decent tight end. Unfortunately, he's a tight end in an Aryan system, so yeah. you know he could catch. He could go. You give you three for twenty and a touchdown. But yeah, it's Evans and Godwin on the Seahawks side. So the Buccaneers horrible against the pass in seven, but really good against the rush. You still have to play Chris Carson. I think he's going to he's going to continue to get the ball. So you're throwing him out there. If he gets you a touchdown, he saves your day. But great matchup for the wide receiver. So you're firing up Lockett and you're firing up Metcalf. What's going to be interesting for me, he obviously won't play on Sunday, but that the Seattle Seahawks claim Josh Gordon. We talked about on the podcast Thursday, literally about an hour before he got released by the Patriots, that he would eventually get released. We wanted to know where he ended up. Well, a day later, we found out he's going to the Seattle Seahawks. What do you think this means for him in Seattle and this wide receiver core in general? Well, I I think it's going to be a better football move than fantasy move. Okay. Uh, 
he, I, I don't think at this point in his career, he's as fast or as strong as DK Metcalf. Agree. I agree. He's not as shifty. He, he, he poses no threat to Tyler Lockett's role on the team. So he's, he's going to be the wide receiver three. So when they go three wide, you're going to have Lockett in the slot, Metcalf and Gordon outside. Gordon has a, a good football IQ. I don't think there's going to be any issues with him picking up the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russ throws a great deep ball. But you've got you have DK Metcalf out there, so there's no there is not going to be any pressure whatsoever on Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll to feel like they have to force the ball to Josh Gordon. He might pop off a couple times over the course of the rest of the season, but it's going to be tough to be rolling him out there and starting. Um, I I think that. Honestly, I think Metcalf might provide a little more consistency, and Metcalf is a, is a boomer bust guy. He's a you know three target, eighty five yard and a touchdown kind of go guy. I think Gordon is a or not three target, three catch, and I think Gordon is a three catch and a fifty five and hope for a touchdown. So I, I like Josh Gordon. I want him to be successful after everything he's had to deal with, um, but. I don't think he really poses any threat to Metcalf or Lockett. Mm-hmm. I, I could see, you know, with, with Disley being gone, they've been piecemealing their tight end. So maybe he absorbs some of those targets that were previously going to the tight end. So there is a little bit of an uptick in passing attempts, you know, two or three more passing attempts a game. Uh, but it's a Chris Carson show. Yeah. You know, it's Chris Carson and, you know, a smart passing attack. So I, I I want, I want Gordon to be successful, but I think it's going to be more of a football success as opposed to a fantasy success. Yeah. I think uh, what you mentioned at the beginning there of your analysis is what's going to be the biggest thing. And that's likely going to mean that Tyler Lockett moves to the slot when they go to three wide receiver sets. I think that only increases his role and makes him even better. I'm with you. It's still going to go Lockett, Metcalf, and then maybe Gordon. Uh, We talked about how when Disley went out, Metcalf has been getting more red zone looks, which is kind of what's boosted his fantasy value a little bit these past couple weeks. Maybe some of those start going to Gordon now, but I'm with you. I think great NFL move. Not sure that it does much for fantasy outside of possibly even boosting Tyler Lockett even more with him being now more in the slot as shifty and as good as he is. I think that could really kind of help him out in the long run. Who are you taking in this one? The Seattle Seahawks or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I'm rolling with the Seahawks. As am I. One of the probably better late game windows here, the Green Bay Packers and, well, never mind. I take that back. The Chargers kind of suck this year. Packers and the Chargers. Packers getting 3.5 points and the 56% chance to win this game. On the Packers side, so the Chargers, 24th in points against in the past, 7th in the rush. So regardless of the matchup, looks like Devontae Adams is going to be back in. You're throwing him in there. The wide receivers have been pieced together the past couple weeks. I think with Adams coming back in there, immediate start and immediately will produce here in this Packers offense that really looks to be going really well. What I want to talk to you about is Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I talked about it on the podcast last week. I said I think both of them, with the way that they are being used in the offense, are fantasy relevant. So are you willing to throw both of them in your lineup as they both produced the past couple weeks? 
So, well, first, what I want to know is how did Jamal Williams all of a sudden become dynamic? I don't think he it's is. Like, he's just getting a lot of work, <laughs> if I'm being honest, because well, I don't think he's that good. For two years, though, he, he looked so sluggish. I mean, he doesn't look sluggish. He he, he looks good. I don't think it's just volume uh, because Aaron Jones is getting, for the most part, he usually is getting the higher volume. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think Jones is the better back, but uh, I, I also think that the Packers are now producing at a high enough level with with Rodgers being healthy. They're producing at a high enough level to support both backs, uh, especially if you have one of them that, that is as dynamic as Aaron Jones is, that can provide you with some big plays. So uh, I think Williams is showing that he's he he's pushing for – being a flex play pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I, I think you can make the case to put somebody, you know, a wide receiver with more upside in there a lot of times. But I I think that there's, Jones and Williams are showing me that I'd probably rather play the two of them on a more consistent basis than I would Coleman and Breda. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I agree with you on that. Like I said, I – I don't know if maybe maybe you are right with Williams just being better. Maybe that's why he's getting more work. But with the the amount of work that both of them are getting, I think you can easily throw both of them. And obviously, Aaron Jones has been producing as an RB1. Jamal Williams has been producing as an RB2. So I would say even as a flex option, that's a pretty good option to have. Uh, on the Chargers side here, so the Packers, 21st against the pass, 6th against the rush. So it looks like Melvin Gordon might finally be able to produce as that top back we expected. I do think Allen and Mike Williams likely uh, struggle a little bit in this one, but have to be in your lineups. But what do you think about Hunter Henry? Two good games, a mediocre game last week. What are your thoughts on him this week against the Packers? You throwing him in your lineup? I am. All right. Uh, I'm a big Big Hunter, I I think you have to. I I think he has a role. He it may not work out each week, but he's going to get his targets. He's going to get his red zone opportunities, and he he's a good tight end. So it, in in a position that has just such a wasteland after you know tight end six or seven. Uh, I think you roll Hunter Henry out there every week. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It's a, a guy I actually got off the waiver wire in a couple of redraft leagues because he got dropped due to that knee injury. Uh, with as bad as you just said the tight end landscape is, you, you can't get much worse than having a guy with that much talent uh, in an offense like that. Who are you taking, the Packers or the Chargers? I'm going to go with the Packers. As am I. Next up, the Sunday night football game, which looks like it could be a very good one between the New England Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens. New England getting three points and the 62% chance to win this game. New England going up against a Ravens defense, 12th against the pass, 20th against the rush. So good, not great uh, against uh, the rush. I'm sorry, really good actually against the rush. Not so great against the pass, however... I don't know if I really trust anybody in this receiving game outside of Julian Edelman. And we do, I mean, Mohamed Sanu will now have been there for about two weeks or a week and a half. So maybe you're throwing him out there, but I really don't feel comfortable with anybody outside of Edelman. What are your thoughts on this receiving core for the Patriots? 
Well, Jacoby Myers has shown that he's he's consistently producing, you know, two or three or four catches a game if if they throw the ball to him. So Myers is looking like he belongs. Uh, Edelman is going to get 15 targets. The the trouble uh, for New England is going to be that Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, and Jimmy Smith are all finally healthy, and that could that may very well be the best trio of cornerbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I do not disagree with you on that whatsoever. Um, again, with uh, with the Ravens being so good against the run, I'm, I don't know what to do with, with the running backs. I mean, Sony Michelle, I thought, would have a good game last week. Kind of came up a little bit small. He's been fairly consistent, though. If you really go back and look at his points, outside of week one, has been close to 10 points, had a couple big games here. I think if you've got him, you got to play him, but I'm not expecting a big game from him. What are your thoughts on Sony against this Ravens defense? I think it's, you know, it's going to be tough sledding, but the the opportunity for him is going to be there because of those defensive backs on those wide receivers. Yeah. So, I I I can just see Bill Belichick, you know, his hair standing up on end, and he's wearing a white lab coat. And he's, you know, there's all kind of math up on the board, and he's got a beaker with fog coming out of it. There's something <laughs> going on in the lab. I don't know what it is, but I can't wait to watch it. It is going to be it is going to be crazy to see because yeah. you've got probably the best game planning head coach in the history of the NFL and the ultimate weapon in Lamar Jackson. Yep. And I can't wait to see what happens. Now I think that you, you're gonna you, you've got you you play the studs from each team. So you're playing Edelman, you're playing Brady. Um, you're gonna play Michelle, but we we know now we know now eight games in that Michelle is you know a fifty yard rusher and a touchdown. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for out of him. Uh, James White's going to catch his passes. So, you know, they, they don't have much at the tight end position. They're going to have to scheme people open against those defensive backs. And on the other side of the ball, you know, it's run, run, run. Bill takes away your best player. Well, if Lamar's their best player, they're going to, the, then Bill is going to, have him do what he does worst, which is pass the ball. So we're going to get to see how just how well has Lamar developed as a passer. Mm -hmm. And so it could be a, a you know, a Mark Andrews, uh, uh, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, Marquise Brown kind of game. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. I would not. You probably have to start Mark Ingram because of where you draft him. I'm not expecting much of anything out of him at all. Again, the, you're looking at literally the best defense against the pass and the rush. They are 32nd in both categories. We do know that Hollywood Brown will be back. I don't know if I'm trusting anybody outside of maybe Andrews, and that's just because of how bad tight end is. I mean, I guess if you have Hollywood Brown, you throw him in your flex spot, all it takes is that one play with that speed, but I don't. I get what you're saying, and I agree with you. They're likely going to make him pass, but we've also seen in a couple of the games where they've tried to make him pass, 
nobody's really come through. So I, I don't know if I'm really trusting any of those guys outside. If you have Lamar, you're playing him because if he is able to get some rushing yards or rushing touchdown, he immediately brings you that value. Uh, but I, I think with Hollywood Brown, you can throw him in your flex spot and then Mark Andrews, you're obviously playing him in your tight end. Uh, but I don't, I would not play anybody else out of those three. Which, uh, well, I, oh, go ahead. There, if the, if the ploy is to make Lamar throw or get the ball out of his hand, you know, that could open up the running lanes for Ingram. That could give Ingram opportunities to run the ball. You know, the goal is to is to contain Lamar. Well, if Lamar doesn't have the ball in his hand, he's effectively contained. True, true. I, I do think that uh, they'll – I think they're going to put some kind of spy there, though. I think Van Noy or Collins, one of them is going to spy him. And then if they hand the ball I don't off, think either gonna... one of them can spy him. Well, I agree on the speed They're part of it. They're just not fast but, enough. But if they can keep him in the pocket, if they can kind of keep him uh, almost like a what's it, like a Q, QB contained defense and kind of get around the outsides of him, if they force him up in the pocket, I think one of them can hit him. I don't know if he'll be able to get away from Now, if he gets to the outsides, yeah, they're, neither one of them's keeping up with them. But I think if their defensive ends can kind of push around him and keep him in the pocket, if he tries to push up, I think if one of them is spying him, they're going to come up and hit him pretty quick. Now, are they going to get him every time? Probably not because Lamar Jackson can be very, very, very shifty when running the ball. But I would say probably eight times out of ten they're going to get to Lamar before he gets any real yardage. That's just my opinion. Uh, again, that's coming up the middle. If he gets to the outside, all bets are off. There's no way Collins or Van Noy are getting to him. But I think if they're able to force him up into the pocket, they'll be able to get to him before he does anything. Uh, what I was going to ask you real quick, because I actually have this dilemma, so I'm going to get your expert advice on it. I have Hunter Henry and Mark Andrews, and I need one of them for my tight end spot. Which one would you play this week? What who, What are your flex options? Uh, my flex options are, are taken care of. It's... it's uh, I don't remember exactly who I have, but they're, uh, let's see, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then right now I have Devin Singletary in because Gurley's on a bye, and he would be my other flex. Or Sony Michelle, one of those three. I'd probably go with Hunter Henry. Yeah, that's who I went with. I have him in just because I'm not sure I trust Andrews. Of course, Andrews is then going to eventually go off for like 20 points because he's going to get like two touchdowns and, and like 50, 60 yards. But, uh, yeah, I went Hunter Henry just based on the upside. I was just curious because, uh, you know, well, again. That's why I was asking who your flex people were because, you know, it's it, there's no shame in starting two tight ends when you got oh, yeah. two of the top five tight ends. Oh, I agree with you. I thought about putting him in over Singletary, but I feel like with as bad as Washington is, I feel like Singletary can probably get that one big play. And if he gets worked in a little bit more into the offense, with again, as bad as that, that, that defense is, he might get a couple more plays. I'm, I'm not starting him over Juju. So it, it comes down to Singletary or... Or uh, or Andrews for me. Haven't quite made the decision yet, but I think I'm going to end up sticking with Singletary. All right, now, Tom, uh, who are you picking to win this game, the Patriots or the Ravens? I'm going to go with the Patriots. As am I, unfortunately. All right, the Monday night football game, the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. Dallas getting seven points in this one and the 80% chance to win this game. On Dallas' side here, the Giants just bad, third against the pass, 11th against the rush. So, 
You're firing up Amari Gallup, likely in line for very big games here against the Giants, especially with the Cowboys coming off a bye. Obviously, Zeke, a, a great play as well there. I don't really think there's any analysis on the Cowboys side we have to talk about. I mean, the, you're playing Dak as well. They're, they're, they've got a great matchup. Uh, the side I want to talk to you about is the Giants side. The Cowboys, very good against the pass, mediocre against the rush. So you would expect Barkley will probably have a decent game here. The Cowboys have done a very good job of shutting him down, especially when they put Leighton Vanderus on those running backs. We've seen him shut down Kamara before. Uh, they, they, they've, uh, uh, I can't remember who the other player is that they've done it to. I think it was Gurley last year in the playoffs. They do a very good job against running backs. So Barkley, you have to play him in for an okay game, but not a, not a great game in my opinion. But what about the receiving options for the Giants? Who would you trust to throw in your lineups, including Evan Ingram in that against a very good pass defense? Well, I, I definitely think you start Ingram. Um, you know, when we're talking the tight end landscape, he's he's one of the top four, five, six. Uh, and Daniel Jones is starting to develop a little more consistency again. He, he had a big game, a couple down games back up. So uh, it's going to be a challenge for the the Giants, uh, they're going through growing pains with their rookie quarterback, but uh, they get Sterling Shepard back this week, it looks like, so they're going to have Shepard Tate. And Darius Slayton has come on and shown that uh, he's a viable option in that passing game. So it's kind of, uh, if you if you look at the two teams, you've got Dallas, and then the Giants are almost like Dallas, just not as good at virtually every position except tight end. So, you know, Dak is better than Daniel Jones and Amari is better than Golden Tate and Cobb is better than uh, uh, Sterling Shepard and uh, or uh, Gallup is better than Sterling Shepard and Cobb is better than Darius Slayton. And so it ends up, you know, they're just other than, other than Ingram. And so I, uh, I feel like the Giants are going to make some plays. This is one of those, you know, it's a 33-21 kind of game where the Giants pop a couple times and they get some they get some plays, uh, get some yardage, maybe a long touchdown run from Barkley or something. Uh, but but that the Cowboys are not really in doubt throughout this game. So uh, yeah. I, I like the Giants players. Uh, I just think it's going to be a, a little bit of a challenge uh, going up against that Dallas defense. Yeah, uh, I really want to pick the Giants because I need Dallas to lose, but I just I don't really see it happening. Who are you picking in this one? I'm going with the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm still going to go with the Giants just because I'm hoping that that it works out for me. But I, I likely see there's a very good chance that the, the Cowboys end up winning this game. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much for, for joining me again on Friday. I, I wish nothing but luck to all of your teams this weekend since I don't think we're playing each other in any of the leagues we're in. So definitely hoping you, you pull off all the wins there. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. We've, we've actually got a huge jump in ratings lately, which we appreciate that. Uh, continue to do so. We've got a, a new logo on the way and then obviously the new intro that dropped yesterday. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we'll continue to roll out some more stuff here throughout the next, for, throughout the year and, and especially in the off season. Once uh, me and Dennis are able to start doing this more often like we did last year, we'll, we'll come up with some more stuff to kind of help out the viewers and throw to you guys. So Dennis, thank you so much. Have yourself a good weekend. I'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Right on, man.
Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!